0: if you have your Bibles with you this morning, I would invite you to turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, our focus text this morning is going to be verses 18 through 25. 18 through 25, and if y'all would like to follow along with the outline for the sermon, you can find that on the back of the announcements insert. Before we hear the reading and preaching of God's Word, join me in prayer. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, indeed, your Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Lord, we need your light. We need the illuminating work of the Spirit in our hearts and minds that we may see and understand, that we may take great joy in the truth, in Jesus, that we see in this passage. O Lord, we pray your Spirit would work, bringing these very things about in us. For your glory, in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. Here now, the holy, the infallible, and an errant word of God written for you and for me today. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Amen. Thus far the reading of God's holy word, and may God add his blessing to the reading of His word to us. Well, beloved in the Lord, when a man and a woman love each other, and they at some point become engaged to be married, there's a biblical trajectory of where things are to go from there. As was true, pre-engagement, chastity, and physical purity in the relationship is to be maintained until they are married. And though temptations may and do arise that could taint or damage such purity, there is much joy in the Lord as a couple seeks to be obediently faithful all the way to their big day. It's true that engaged couples hope and expect that they know their future spouse well. And that they know them well enough that there won't be any surprises along the way, surprises from their past, surprises from their present, even surprises that would affect their future. And yet, what happens? What should be done if something concerning comes to the surface? A big spotlight shines here on their character and the the commitment of. This man and woman to have uh, fo- and follow scripture to reach a God-honoring resolution. Now, depending on what surfaces, will the engagement come to a screeching halt? Will one or both of the parties walk away? Or will the couple biblically be able to persevere, pressing through the matter, and have a life together? These are all important questions that have to be navigated through with care. We find a very similar situation with Mary and Joseph in today's text. What would they do when the joyful train of betrothal was interrupted, when the brakes possibly needed to be applied? And yet, how should the relationship be navigated when the interruption is a divine interruption that would undoubtedly raise questions, but also bring much rejoicing? This morning, we will consider the birth of our Savior through the eyes and the experience of Joseph, the dream that he had and the actions that he took. And so let's consider Joseph's response to Mary's pregnancy in verses 18 and 19, Joseph's dream and the angel's command in verses 20 through 23, as well as Joseph's faithful obedience that we see in verses 24 and 25. Now, as Matthew begins to give us details of Christ's birth in verse 18, it's important to recognize and to understand the context that Matthew starts his gospel with. Matthew begins by giving us the genealogy of Jesus Christ, beginning with Abraham, through the generations to David, and then the generations between David and Christ. And who does Matthew end with in verse 16? He says there, And Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, to whom, or of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Beloved, never forget that genealogies in Scripture have wonderful meaning. And this gave legitimacy to Jesus being the promised Messiah of the line of David, fulfilling prophecy. He is the heir of covenant promises. He is the mediator of blessings to the nations. And these roots place Christ as fulfilling God's purposes throughout history. And so in time, what happened? Jesus was born of Mary, and this is what happened, we see beginning in verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows, Matthew says. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Now, it's helpful to see that both Matthew and Luke's Gospels give us details of the narrative of Christ's birth. Luke teaches us about Gabriel's announcement of Christ's birth to Mary that sets up Matthew's account in verse 18. If you would, turn with me to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. We'll read of that account here briefly. Luke Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. We read there, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin, notice, betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Notice verse 34. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be? since I do not know a man. And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Amen. So we find Matthew begins similar to where Luke began, making known Joseph and Mary's betrothal. And he also specifies that they hadn't had a formal ceremony yet, so they they aren't acting as husband and wife physically yet. But now, if all of the events of our passage occurred after Mary was betrothed to Joseph, what does this betrothal mean? Well, betrothal in biblical culture was the same as a legal marriage, though the couple hadn't come together as man and wife physically. Betrothal was considered to be legally binding, which helps us to better understand Joseph's thoughts that we'll look at in a moment. But keep in mind, after Gabriel made his announcement to Mary, Mary went and spent three months with her cousin Elizabeth. And so Joseph and Mary hadn't come together, but she was pregnant. And Matthew says she was found with Mary was likely starting to show, or her pregnancy was otherwise made known. But how could this be? How could this be? Mary was a virgin. Well, Christ was conceived by the Holy Spirit in her womb. And this truth is of vital importance, beloved. Never forget this. Jesus had no ordinary origin, but was conceived through the the direct, the miraculous intervention of the Holy Spirit. He is 100% God, perfect and sinless, and also 100% man, as our confession states, being of Mary's substance. He didn't inherit a sinful nature, as does everyone conceived and born of ordinary generation as descendants of Adam. And beloved, the doctrine of the virgin birth of Christ, like I said, it's it's so important, it's so vital, it's really critical to the stand of the gospel. It's a doctrine that has long been under attack by the enemies of Christ, by pagans, even by secular media. They claim belief in such a teaching as backwards and just plain nuts in many regards. A virgin can't be pregnant and give birth? What are you guys thinking? Yet the virgin birth explains how Christ could be both God and man. How he was without sin and that the entire work of salvation is God's gracious act. If Jesus was not born of a virgin, he had a human father and inherited a sinful nature. If Jesus was not born of a virgin, the Bible teaches a lie. But that's not what is true. The Bible is not lying. It is without error. It is complete truth. Christ was born of a virgin. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And so as Joseph thought about and, and pondered what happened, she, she was found with child. What would he do? Look at verse 19. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. My friends, see the man, see his relationship with Mary, stated as her husband. See his character as well as his desires here. Joseph clearly was perplexed by Mary's pregnancy. He knew that he wasn't the father. It's possible Mary may have told him what Gabriel told her. However, Joseph was clearly thinking through the matter, becoming maybe even more settled on the idea that Mary sinned against him with another man. And yet Mary knew the truth about this divine conception. But how could she prove it? as things stood through human understanding, she would be dealt with as a harlot. And how would they deal with her if they found her as guilty? The law in Deuteronomy 22 required such a betrothed woman and the man she cheated with to be stoned to death. So this was serious. But now we must not go into too much speculation here, but Mary being with child clearly was troubling for Joseph, not only about what happened, but also about what he therefore needed to do. However, see his character by the grace of God, see his God-given character shine through here. For we are told that Joseph was a just man. Of all the things that we needed to know about Joseph, and there could be many, We know that Joseph was a carpenter. We know other things true about Joseph. But here, what was important to know about Joseph, he was a just man first, meaning he was a righteous man before God. He dearly loved Mary, but also knew that he needed to be faithful to God and follow his law. Joseph was a man of action. And we also see that he was a thoughtful and a considerate man. And how do we see that here? He, he didn't want to shame Mary publicly, but rather he wanted to sever their betrothal privately. And now while all of this was going on in Joseph's head, see how God brings angelic intervention. Look at verse 20. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary to you, Mary, your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. So now see three things here from the message of this verse. See how the angelic announcement Gabriel made to Mary is now matched with the same truth being announced by an angel to Joseph in a dream. See how Mary couldn't prove the truth, but God could. And he does here by declaration by his messenger. But see also the angel addresses Joseph in his relation as a son of David. And this is important as Joseph would be mindful of this and and be better prepared to receive the news of his relation to the Messiah who everyone knew, they knew prophetic scripture, was to be a descendant from David. And thirdly, see also the message of peace here. See the message of peace that was to drive away the fear and the concern in Joseph's heart and mind. In other words, the angel confirmed that Joseph should stay the course with Mary and his relationship with her. He should marry her. He should go through the ceremony. She hadn't committed adultery. She had been faithful to him. The baby in her womb was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. Such a miraculous thing. Such a unique thing. Which meant that Joseph would be Jesus's adoptive father. Beloved, it's it's a wonderful mercy from the Lord, is it not? When he calms our fears and he dashes our doubts with his clear comfort and truth. As Joseph was, he was thinking, he was perplexed, he was concerned. He was troubled. But here comes the messenger of the Lord with the Lord's truth, the Lord's message to him. Do not be afraid. Everything is right and good. In fact, it's marvelous. There will be much rejoicing because of the child that is in Mary's womb. It's wonderful when God opens our eyes to see things as they truly are. But there was more news, wasn't there? In verse 21, look there. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Here is the reality. Here is what would happen. Here is the name. And here is what that name means. What he would do. Here the glorious gospel shines forth in the announcement of the birth to Joseph and Mary regarding their beautiful baby boy. Usually the earthly father would decide on the name and name his son, though it's true that Joseph would name Jesus after his birth. See here that our Heavenly Father communicates what the name of his son would be. It's Jesus. And what a wonderful name it is. What a wonderful name is the name of Jesus. That every tongue would confess and that every knee would bow proclaiming him as Lord. It's a precious name. It's a powerful name. It's a wonderful name even communicating what he would do and accomplish for our redemption and salvation. Jesus is the Greek form of the Hebrew name Yehoshua or Joshua, which means Yahweh is salvation, God saves. And marvelously, Jesus came to be the captain of our salvation, the writer to to the Hebrews in chapter 2, verse 10 tells us. And the high priest of our confession, that he would also tell us in chapter 3, verse 1. Jesus truly is our Savior. See how the salvation of Christ would bring, as proclaimed by the angel, that tells not only of Jesus' birth, but also points us to Christ's life and his death and his resurrection. Jesus was born to die, beloved. This is how he would save his people from our sins. He would live and he would die and he would rise again, victorious having paid it all. For it is through his life, death, and resurrection that Christ would accomplish our redemption, saving us from our sin. As the God-man, Christ kept the whole law perfectly for us. He also took our place. He became our substitutes as he sacrificed himself to make full atonement. I ask you this morning, where are you in relation to your sin? Do you know yourself to be a great sinner? Is your sin odious to you? Do you hate it? Are you trusting in Christ by faith as your Savior? Jesus really and truly has saved his people from their sin. Call upon the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. For those who call upon him will by no means be cast out. Praise the Lord. And for what purpose did Matthew say things happen the way they did? To fulfill prophecy. That's what he teaches us in 22 and 23. 23. So all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us. My friends, here we see that the incarnation of Christ fulfilled the promised sign that God gave to Ahaz through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 7, verse 14. It was there and then that God's people were encouraged to hope for the promised deliverance from Sennacherib's invasion, as they were to look forward to the coming of Emmanuel, the Messiah. And Matthew here joyfully points us to Jesus, who, who is Emmanuel. This is his royal title. He points us to Jesus, who is God come in the flesh. He is the God who saves. He is the God who, who condescends to us and is with us. Praise the Lord. John 1.14 teaches us this very same and wonderful truth. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and He beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. My friends, Christ On flesh, he abided and he tabernacled among his people. So as we consider these things, let's go back to verse 24. And see Joseph's faithful obedience. What did he do after these things were revealed to him? And as he received the command as to what he was to do. Look at verse 24. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. You know, even though there aren't any recorded words from Joseph's mouth in the scriptures, again, we find Joseph to be a faithful man of action. When he awoke having been spiritually convinced of the truth, having his fears and his doubts relieved and dashed, he married Mary. And they were chased until after Christ was born. Were they chased forever? No. The scripture teaches us that Jesus had brothers and sisters. We see this in Matthew 13, 55 through 56. And so Joseph and Mary would be, Blessed with a growing family after Christ's birth. But the final phrase of verse 25 is wonderful, isn't it? After Mary delivered her baby boy, Joseph did as God commanded him and named him Jesus. Beloved, see how God chose and used both Mary and Joseph as faithful vessels in his service To bring about our redemption. See Mary's obedience as well as Joseph. For we see two occasions in this very passage. When Joseph knew God's will. And he was immediately set to carry out and follow God's commands. May this be an example to us. May we be concerned to know God's will and to do God's will. to, to, To seek and to know it more and more as he sets it forth in the scriptures, and as God opens our understanding, be diligent to obey promptly and entirely. But most importantly, rejoice in the incarnation. Rejoice in the incarnation, the coming of Jesus Christ. See and know Jesus for who he is. He is the greater son of Abraham, David, and Solomon, and others, who has come into the world. He is the promised Messiah, come in the flesh. He came to abide with us and will indeed be with us forever. He came to live, and to live righteously, a holy and perfect life for us. He came to die and rise for us as the true and able and only Savior to save us from our sins. And he has done this very thing. He has fully accomplished our redemption. He has ascended, he is seated at the right hand of the Father, ruling and reigning now. Praise the Lord. Praise our Lord Jesus Christ for his wonderful purpose and person and work and for his coming to save us from our sins. Amen.